become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Access accepted. Entry to Entertainment Landfill News. Granted. Welcome to the land of film, television, and pop culture. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Again. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, the Jstrom. Welcome to the show. This is a show where we talk about film, television, video games at times, and pop culture. How's it going? Here's the thing about like video game podcasts. They talk about different games and stuff every week, but the way the 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 pace that we play video games is like. I can't blow through one game in a week. It's like taking a month, so I have yeah. nothing new to offer every week on the subject. Unless, you know, I read stories about it. So, it's not like, well, this week I'm playing. Well, this week I'm still playing the same game. <laughs> Which was Horizon Zero Dawn. Campaign 1. Campaign 2 is next week. <laughs> Wait a second. Steven the Pop Culture Hey, I can't forget to introduce you, Steven. I'm here. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How is it going? Fantastic. You know what's funny is nobody can see you, Stephen. Uh, my, I've known you for how many years? Twenty over twenty years, twenty five years. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I think we first met in like nineteen eighty nine. Like like two. <laughs> I think it was nineteen you years were 19 old. Nineteen years old. Yeah. Yeah, it was like nineteen eighty nine. You never had facial hair <laughs> the entire time I've known you. Right. Until this year, boom, you have a beard. <laughs> and it was funny, the first time you walked in, I go, I was like, hey, Stan, what the hell? What the hell did that facial hair? Don't wash your face, mister. <laughs> but I was just like, oh my God, you have, you have a, you don't just have like five o'clock shadow, but you have a beard. A full beard. A yeah. full beard. Some You grew it in a week or something. <laughs> I don't know when you grew it. You just had it suddenly. But I'm wondering how far are you going to take this? Is it going to be like long beard, or are I, you gonna? I, when it when it bothers me, it'll probably go. When it starts, there, like there's times when I look at it, and go, 
I, I like the way it looks right now. And then I look and I'm like, it needs to come off. It's That's what I'm go. wondering because, you know, I always have facial growth. Five o'clock shadow. I always have scrub, but I never get it. When it gets long enough where I'm always just like, oh, and I, sh- I basically shave every Saturday, but I don't clean shave. I just, you know, like that. Take the, take the like to it, basically. But what I think, you know, you haven't really grown a beard like no. your entire life. How have you gone from that to growing a beard? That's what I want to do. <laughs> Has it bought? Have you? Some days are you like I'm going to shave this yes, damn thing yeah, off. Yeah, have you there's some that? days when it's been just so itchy. It's like it's got to go. But I'm out of town and I don't have my trimmers to trim mm-hmm. it, so it would be a pain in the butt out of town. Yeah. So I, I immediately thought though when you I saw you with facial hair, I was like, oh, you, Stephen, you pull it off. It looks good on you. I got lazy at Christmas. I had the two weeks off. I'm like, I'm not shaving for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> A great big bushy beard. <laughs> so uh, I did this last year too at Christmas time. I, oh yeah, and I think it, by the time I saw you again, like I there was had a shaved it. There, yeah, there was a period of time, probably like a month past, where we didn't see each other, and the next time I saw you, you were clean shaven. So I had no idea. Right. So, uh, so like, now this is like the longest you've had a beard. This is uh, what month three. Month three. Wow. So yeah, I started right be- right before Christmas again. I was like, I'm not shaving. <laughs> I'm on vacation. I'm not shaving. You know, because I see now like a lot of hockey players, they have those long beards. I'm, I'm like growing it out for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I noticed uh, Adam the rest Howard. Of my life is the playoffs. Have you noticed Adam Howard has a big old long he's beard got a now? Beautiful beard. Yeah, he's long, and full. It really, full. his is like kicks my beard's butt. I remember <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, my aunt Florence. It was actually my dad's aunt. I guess I was she was. Like, my, she's got a beard. No, it's my great oh. aunt. Uh, she hated when my dad would grow a beard, but she would go, you've got that grizzly beard. She always called it a grizzly beard. Like, I guess, grizzly Adams. She was yeah. like, oh, please shave that grizzly beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Adams is, keeps it quaffed. It's really perfect looking. I, Adam I probably goes to the it, store and gets like the oils and wax or whatever yeah, you put in there. It's fantastic looking. Yeah. I was envious of his beard. I went from like patchy like facial hair to when it got thicker it immediately turned gray. So now it's like all gray like uh, so if I were to ever grow a long beard I would just be a big puff of like puff of smurf beard. So I'm screwed. I can't so do like- it. We call you Graybeard. Yeah, Graybeard. Or I'd have to every uh, what how, every week get out the dyes and, and comb and co- put the I color got, I got in my some beard. Gray streaks in mine. <laughs> but I mean, like my even my I was telling Heather. I go, have you noticed my sideburns are basically just gray sideburns? What the hell happened? You're, oh, I'm going to tease you. You're younger than me, and you got a big beard. <laughs> but you have a child. He has so. a mustache and a beard. Yes, he does. Mustache and a beard. Well, technically, it's a beard. If the mustache is included but, in the beard. So I admire Adam Howard's beard. It's a really nice beard. Yeah, yeah. He's put a lot of work into that. And I <laughs> so bad want to say, I can ask him now if he's listening. So how far are you going with this, huh? Me? Well, or, or with Adam. He's got that long beard. Oh, is, is he going to grow a big, Like, we talking ZZ Top? Beard? Uh... Do you keep it a certain length? I 
every time I've seen him, it's just been kind of perfect, right? You know, not too long, not too, you know, it's not the stubble. What's it's oh, you can pull off the beard if you dress nice, if you wear nice, clean clothes, well, it clean looking, so it's not a scraggly looking beard, right? So but what I'm saying, if he has one day where he's like doing laundry, wearing pants with holes in them, it's got like an old sweatshirt, it's like homeless guy, just like. <laughs> If you're not wearing the right attire, you look boom homeless. Am I right? So well, I think you've got to always wear nice, clean, iron clothes. I would probably look homeless. <laughs> he would still because it's quaffed. It's really nice. Yeah, it's, nice combed and whatever. Yeah, I wonder. Like, no, I wonder if he does. Do you have just, the comb? You know, you're like. Shh, it's just my one, a hair comb. I comb it a two, little bit. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those ones. I say. Well, like, can I comb it yet? You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can. You know, get a little comb going. You have the the pit comb with, like, the fist on the end? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know. I want Adam Howard, after you listen to this, send a voicemail. Tell me, tell me and Steven regimen. your regimen. Yeah, I want to know what kind of stuff you're putting in there. Uh, like some of that beeswax stuff, you know, what are they, you know, when you, yeah, my hair, my hair, uh, gel I put in, Moose. I kind of, I kind of run a little <laughs> bit through it just to keep it from being poofy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Cause at some point, you know, like, uh, I mean, you don't What's even. Weird is I've got the blonde mustache, but then it's dark. <laughs> like, have you gotten a special razor? Because what you could do clippers just have a certain length where every like Saturday or whatever you go, and it's a certain length all the time, and it stays right. that length. Yeah, you know, I do, I've got a nice. I just bought a nice new beard trimmer, and then I grew my facial hair. I was like, what do I need this? You know, <laughs> okay, I can. Because I would prefer that honestly. I just like it every Saturday. Just shave it the same length all the time, and I don't have to worry about it. I was just else. trying to get it to not be patchy. I was trying to get it to kind of all be filled in before I do a trimming. Uh huh. You know, it's like, just as long as you never do the, yeah, I'm going to save the mustache part off and just have like a little rim around my jaw, you know, the neck <laughs> beard, like Harry Knowles or something. Like that? The... Yeah, you know how like there's nothing above your lip, but oh. below your, like it's all, in, it's like a neck beard. No. It's like below your jawline. It's just a bunch of hair right there. Have no, you seen no, when no. guys do that? If If it goes, it's all gone. Yeah. If I trim it off. Because I thought, okay, if I trim it off and do it again, will it be thicker? Mm-hmm. You know, I've grown it out this much, you know, so it's gotten kind of thick. So trim I, it off. And- I tried to once go like a month without shaving. Couldn't do it. I just get too hot all the time, and well, it's- I hate that feeling. I think it was like two weeks ago when, I don't know if it was just like a growth spur, you know, with it's like... Why doesn't your head itch when your hair grows? <laughs> I know, like Not your face. <laughs> Here's but a- but for the you know it's I've gone through about four times where it just was like, but I'm out of town <laughs> and I can't do anything about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's this. Here's a real tough question. If you ever shave your beard off, will you then grow it back again? <laughs> sure i would so if one day you shave your beard will you eventually one day grow it back again (laughs) then will you shave it again (laughs) it's just too hard like a vicious cycle of shaving (laughs) that's the thing about having facial hair you could shave it grow it back in two months or something like that how long did it take you to grow this is three months three months okay 
I started like the week before Christmas. Nice. All right. Well, Stephen has a beard, everybody. So just in case, you know, because this is all audio, you don't know. Have you thought about posting a picture or something? Uh, no, not really. I hadn't thought about it. You know what? Your beard's getting gray. Kind of makes you look old. But I mean, that's all right, though, because I still love you. I, I thought about it. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> <Lethal> weapon. <laughs> I, I thought about uh, getting the Snapchat, or uh, the uh, selfie, whatever. Yeah. With that. Well, I went to the Stanley Hotel, and, the, you know, and uh, they had the statue of... Uh, so, Mr. Stanley, who built the hotel, mm-hmm. uh, they had a statue in the little maze. So I was going to get a picture of myself and and post it, but I didn't, you know. So why not? I don't know. It so you felt, were the I hotel felt, from The Shining, right? Yes. See, yeah, that would have been cool. The, but I was like, I cr- I went through the maze, which it's only like knee high. Oh, it's not like a full. Um, it, yeah, where you can't see anything when you walk in. No, they had a contest last year. For mm-hmm. Halloween, I think you design a maze, and they'll they pick the winner, and then that person gets a free weekend in the hotel. And they and they put they design they gave you all the dimensions where you had to build it. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. so they built that person's maze. Oh, cool! With these, with these little cedar bushes or something. It's not as scary when you can just see all the whole maze. <laughs> Well, it's way smaller than the one from the Kubrick. Yeah, you're like, too. I could get lost in this hedge maze. And and it's like, I wouldn't really starve to death. There's a Kroger like like 100 yards from here. Oh, uh, they've since added more stuff. <laughs> oh, it's a little town like right there. That's the Stanley Plaza. Yeah. So it's like, well. It's I, not like in the movie where it's all just by itself. Yeah, there's a subway over there. Yeah, maybe I get a subway. Yeah. But I could trek over there. I break in and make, you know. I'm not going to get snowed in. they got plenty of sandwich meats. Would you like some ice cream, Doc? <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Stephen, last week we didn't get to do a show, but we did see a movie. We saw Chips. Yes. The uh, Dak Shepard written and directed comedy. Uh, would it, is it safe to say silly comedy? Very silly comedy. Uh, full of... Not much like his other, his other movie we saw. Hit and, Hit and Run. Run. I mean, f- plethora of dick jokes, would you oh, say? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sex, sexual innuendo jokes. I know that Heather loved it because she loves J- uh, Dak Shepard. And I thought it was funny and it's amusing and it's a rated R comedy. Now, here's one bad thing. We took our daughter with us. 13-year-old daughter. 13-year-old daughter. And it was funny. I didn't even consider this. I was like, we're watching the movie and I think in my head, I hope there's not male nudity in this. And I was like, oh, no. And I had a sinking feeling. You never know. They might show a dick in this movie. I have no idea. And And it came close. It came close. And it was funny. As soon as they showed, uh, there's a part where Michael Pena has to carry Dak Shepard to the tub. You kind of see in the trailer. And he's got a towel on him or a curtain. Curtain. And he trips and it comes off and he's immediately naked. Uh, Emma immediately went, like, hid her eyes from it <laughs> and i was like good she knows good but i was like what what are we doing but the the dirty talk michael pena was doing yes it's like after it was like awkward well it's funny on the way home in the car we were kind of talking to, to her you know like is there anything like you have any questions about she was like 
oh guys, I've heard all this stuff in school. It's no big deal. I, I there's nothing in that movie I haven't heard before. And we were like, oh my god, what? Thirteen. <laughs> Yikes, Dick. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, well, private school immediately. But I thought it was oh, a silly, it was a silly movie, movie in the vein of like a Twenty One Jump Street or like Super Troopers or something yeah. like that. Here's the one thing I, you know, you watched Chips when you were a kid, right? Oh yeah. And I did too. I wanted some homages to the original series. Yeah, they had Ponch and John, but I wanted. You wanted uh, that opening scene with them coming on the freeway. Yeah, or at least at least at the end of the movie when everything, the crime is solved and everything, all of a sudden they do an exact remake of the opening credits to Chips, but at the end of the movie, at the end credits. I thought that would have been awesome, but no, they didn't do I, it. I would have loved it. I don't know if even the actress still alive, but the mechanic, Harlan, had yeah. designed their two bikes. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Why didn't they? You know? They didn't even go there. You know, he's got the lab coat on. Yeah, the and, guy, and mechanic guy, he always he, had the lab coat. Why didn't they have a character like that? You know, they, they hired some two two guys, you know, that were, uh, you know, that made specialty bikes. Here's that another thing. That was their thing. dude. Harlan. What if they would have done this R-rated comedy, but an action comedy, which it is. But did the crime? I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio plays the villain in this, and what's cool about it is he plays it straight. You know, he's totally the straight bad guy in the film, and then they're goofballs or whatever. Uh, I'd like to see it more serious in tone, kind of like a Lethal Weapon with dick jokes. You know, mm. I mean, but it's obvious they're going for the Twenty One Jump Street type humor. Right. That's probably how the movie got greenlit in the first place. Like, what if we do it like Twenty One Jump Street, same formula? All right, we're going to greenlight you. We like the sound of that. It made enough money or whatever. Um, it didn't do business like Twenty One Jump Street did, but I'm not sure if there'll be a sequel. But I mean, it was silly. It was a fun movie. It'll be something that every time it's on HBO, I'm like, nah, I'll just pick up yeah. wherever it's at. It's silly stuff. Yeah, you'll, yeah. at this point, if you've seen it once, you're going to not miss anything. But are we bad parents for taking Emma to see it with us? <laughs> That's not my decision to make. How's that? Everybody has to make their own parental decisions. Yeah, her uh, grandparents... Now, the people that were bad parents were the brought the it. infant in. Yeah, there was a baby there. I didn't see the kid from Kong, though, there. Like, <laughs> Steven, you're here! I sit next to you! It's like, good over you, little I watch me a movie! Watch me dig on my chair! <laughs> so, uh, Steven, uh, I don't know if we're going to see any movies this weekend. Ghost in the Shell is out. We'll talk about that later on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. But what do you say we get into some news? Lots of movie news this week. Yeah. Some exciting stuff. And I'm going to get to some Dark Tower talk with you here mm-hmm. in a bit. But first, huge news. Joss Whedon to direct a solo Batgirl movie for Warner Brothers? Who? Say what? Yeah, who? Where This came out of nowhere. Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. So this coming to us from uh, Comics Alliance, which they no doubt got it from another website. Hey, Wonder Woman, you've got company. Good company. 
Joss Whedon is coming to save the DC movie universe from Zack Snyder's severe aesthetic, which is like a high school boy's trapper keeper covered in new metal band stickers circa 2000. The former Marvel's favorite and Avengers director is returning to the superhero genre to write, direct, and produce a standalone Batgirl movie for Warner Brothers. A much-needed blast of optimism for their dreary DC franchise. <laughs> Variety reports that Whedon is nearing a deal, in quotes, which it isn't final yet, but let's go ahead and report the story, to write, direct, and produce a solo Batgirl film for Warner Brothers, part of the studio's extended DC superhero universe. The character was first introduced in DC Comics in 1967 as Barbara Gordon. Do we really need this part of the story, yes. Stephen? Daughter of Commissioner Gordon, Batman's longtime pal at the Gotham Police Department. Do we really need that part of the story? Barbara Barbara went on to become a superhero, taking up the Batgirl mantle and fighting crime, both alongside the Dark Knight and in her own adventures. It's unclear if Batgirl will make her big screen debut before appearing in Whedon's standalone film, or where Whedon's film would fit on WB's increasingly crowded and somewhat confusing DC film schedule. But Whedon's involvement inspires optimism for a franchise that has struggled to find its footing since Man of Steel hit theaters in 2013. Although financially successful, WB's slate of DC films have elicited largely negative reactions among general audiences and critics alike. Batgirl is also a welcome addition to the male-dominated superhero lineup, which boasts Wonder Woman as its only female lead. Gal Gadot's solo film hits theaters this summer, beating Marvel to the solo female superhero movie punch, no less. And WB recently tapped Suicide Squad director David Ayer to helm Gotham City Sirens, a female-centric DC villain ensemble led by Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Wow, he's filling a lot of information in this, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Whedon previously said he felt exhausted and frustrated from directing Avengers and its sequel for Marvel. So perhaps WB is offering him the creative freedom he wants for Batgirl. Good. Give him anything he wants. Whatever happens, this is probably the best thing to come to DC Movie Universe since they finally let Ben Affleck take a nap a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, so what do you think about that? Joss Whedon directing a Batgirl? Sure. I think it could be fun. Yeah. I immediately think who would play her. Hmm. Interesting. Ooh. I'm curious. I, I say good. Okay, now I want to talk about the, the, the Dark Tower film that's coming out. I right. think this August, late summer. Um, you know, we already know that Idris Elba is playing Roland the Gunslinger. Uh, he's a great actor. Still think it's weird casting, you know. And I'm not, not talking not, not who I would picture, but yeah, I mean it's not like uh, Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury. That's no big deal or whatever. This, I mean, it's okay, whatever. We'll just leave it at that. But then, and and you know, and I think we've already discussed this a few times. And if they played the Gunslinger and you saw him from the beginning, it might just kind of so. 
Idris Elba is a fine choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great actor, so I, I, he'll be able to pull that off or whatever. No, for who he looks like. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, don't start this against Steven. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm just saying. It's like... <laughs> okay. We, we've discussed this until you... Uh, you yes. Until you get to that part of the book. And also, Matthew McConaughey plays... Uh, and that's fine. Plays uh, the Man in Black, mm-hmm. also known as uh, who, Steven? Well, uh, the, the Dark Man, Randall Flag. The Randall Flag. Um, okay, so this movie is coming out. I don't honestly know what to think. I don't know if there's something wrong with me recently, but you know, I watched the Alien trailer, New Alien. Not excited about it. I'm not really excited about this Dark Tower movie. I'm just worried they're going to screw it up. It's. I'll just okay. I read Ain't It Cool News. Quint saw the first Dark Tower footage at CinemaCon. And the headline reads, it's kind of an effing bummer. So I'm going to just read this to you, and then you give me your reaction. Obviously, we haven't seen it ourselves. You did see that trailer, the early trailer without effects or something until they took it down. Right. Or did it have effects? Uh, Or do you Um, remember? It may have had some. What was your first reaction to that? Like, what the F am I I looking at? I think it's just there were so many flashes, you really couldn't tell of Mm -hmm. what was going on. It's like... um, when when Jake goes into the other world through that house, right, right, which like, doesn't happen until Wizard and Glass, no, the Wastelands, yeah. So I mean, and it doesn't happen the same way. The house doesn't attack him, right. So I'm going to read you this article. Well, sorry, if, spoiler alert. If you haven't <laughs> read Wizards and Glass, but all right, let me uh, read this to you. <laughs> Ahoy, Squirts, Quint here. Y'all know me, and that I hold Stephen King's Dark Tower series near and dear to my heart. Reading that series is the closest I've ever felt to real-life, never-ending story experience. As a young teen, I stumbled onto Roland Deschain's quest to find and save the mysterious Dark Tower, and I felt like I was there, part of his quartet. I've seen this world so clearly in my mind's eye that I've been dying to see someone bring it to life on the big screen since middle school. So you have to believe me when I say one of the main reasons I got on a plane to Las Vegas was hopefully to catch a glimpse at what the movie was shaping up to be. And at Sony's panel, I got that chance. Okay, I will say this. The movies are so visual. You know, uh, it's the, the fills your mind with the all books. sorts of... Yeah, the books do. I mean, uh, your imagination runs wild and you right. think of things in your head as you're reading it, as you do reading any book. But it's so rich with that kind of imagery. It's almost like Star Wars. Uh, you almost always imagine something better than you actually see. Not always in Star Wars. A lot of times it's very impressive now, but I'm talking about like the prequels. I think we all, uh, many people imagined a episode one better than it actually was because our minds were running wild. Like, right. oh, what are we going to see in here? You know, uh, so this is, I already know this has a, a lot ahead. Of, there's no way they're going to please everybody. First of all, I'll say that. Let alone me. But, okay, look back to the story. The studio showed a good three or four minutes of footage. That's three or four minutes. Cut in a trailer form, and it's with a heavy heart that I say that the footage effing bummed me out. Okay, I was psyched at the very beginning when we got some random shots that just screamed Dark Tower to me. One was of a regular wooden door standing alone against the backdrop of some apoc... apoc- Apocalyptic? <laughs> Apocalyptically burned out background. It's hard to just jump into that, you know. The number 
1919 on top of the frame. This played as the people involved with the movie, like writer and producer Akiva Goldsman and the director, talked about how much they loved King's World and described how this story ties into almost everything he's ever written. Unfortunately, that was the last thing that felt tonally right on the money with the material I hold in such high regard, and I'm not even sure it was something we'll see in the movie, as there was a lot of Dark Tower art being shown at the same time that image flashed across the screen. I want to curtail something before I dive into what I saw. I wasn't expecting a beat-for-beat adaptation, nor do I want one. The very nature of how they're telling this story gives them all the freedom in the world to play with some plot points. I don't mind them moving some order of events around or changing up certain character interactions, but goddammit, it has to feel like the world I adore so much, and this didn't. Midworld is supposed to be a place that has moved on. Everything is old, breaking if not already broken. The Midworld I saw in the footage didn't look that way, especially when there are giant hunks of sci-fi tech sitting around. Not ancient stuff that would that would be okay, but the stuff that looks clean and newly abandoned. The sci-fi techie stuff is all over the footage. The doorways between Keystone Earth, which is where we are, and Midworld, which is where Roland is, are literal doors in the book, a great fantasy image of a doorframe floating in midair, which is what excited me so much when I saw the 1919 door early in the presentation. And the actual footage from the movie, though, they look like Stargate SG-1 portals, triangular-shaped metal tech ripping, rippling with energy that allows someone to pass between worlds. My brain just kept screaming, WRONG! Every time I saw one of those things in the footage, and there were a few. The symbols on Roland's six-shooters glowed blue at certain moments when he was firing off rounds, which also gave the story a sci-fi feel that feels entirely misplaced. I didn't hate everything I saw. The kid playing Jake, Tom Taylor, actually came across very well, and his interactions with Idris Elba, Gunslinger, were my favorite parts of the footage. Elba himself filled out the duster pretty well. He's a tortured soul, and Elba exudes quiet strength, rage, and coldness, which is crucial to nailing his character. I have no idea what to make of Matthew McConaughey's The Man in Black. He's playing it real big, which I both appreciate and am really nervous about. He also seems to have Jedi powers inexplicably. There were a few battles between him and Roland. We... We saw glimpses of where he was literally force-throwing objects at Roland as the gunslinger fired at him. There was another scene where he's taunting Roland in the woods somewhere and says, The war is over, gunslinger. You're trying to save the world, but you can't even save yourself. As he's walking away from him, Roland growls out part of his mantra. I do not kill with my gun. I kill with my heart. And he takes aim at the calmly walking away man in black. He pulls the trigger and fires. Without looking, black, without looking back, the man in black's hand reaches out and grabs the bullet in midair before it hits his skull. And not missing a step, he says, the tower will fall, Roland, with a smile. I don't know if I like what they're doing with this character here, but I can, I can be convinced if it's the right choice. That's the thing. I'm a big Dark Tower fan, and as a Dark Tower fan, I have to acknowledge that this turn of the wheel is going to be different. What isn't sitting well with me is that this doesn't feel like the Dark Tower I know and love. That's the biggest bummer to me. All the action scenes felt weirdly matrixy. 
Roland's speed reloads were shown two different ways. Neither were great, but the effects for both were still rough. The, the first was that his belt was lined with fully loaded cylinders that could, he could just slap in his gun and reload. And the second was him dropping six bullets into open cylinders in the middle of a gunfight. And they each perfectly fell into place, which is more in line with the book. Again, not something I necessarily would get caught up in if the world around him felt right. But another little bit of weirdness that has moved my personal needle on this adaptation from cautiously optimistic to, man, I don't know, guys. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy here, so I'll end this write-up with two more things I liked about the footage. First, even in just a few minutes of footage, there were already hints at strong attempts to tie the Dark Tower in with other King's stories, which is a big element of the story and one that I'm glad they aren't ignoring. Specifically, there was a glimpse of a photo of the Overlook Hotel in a brief scene where Jake is talking to a psychiatrist about his dreams and nightmares he's been having of a faraway land inhabited by gunslinging knights. P.S. That's something that survived the earlier Ron Howard version of the movie written by Goldsman and Jeff Pinkner. Second, an extended sequence of a raid on what I believe is a Manny camp. In the books, the Manny are a kind of Amish-like nomadic religious group that are known for their ability to travel between worlds. I could be wrong, but I think that's what this place was. During the raid, a bundled-up of bad guys grabs Jake and Roland is desperately looking for him. He stops in his tracks, all manner of chaos going on around him, and he focuses. The sound drops as he concentrates. He focuses in on one piece of metal clanging against another piece of metal somewhere in the camp. He turns his head, refocusing, this time on a drop of blood plopping into a bloody puddle from a dead finger. He shifts focus again and we hear the rustling of the person that grabbed the boy, hurriedly running away. Roland lifts his gun up, slowly, and aims it to his left. He doesn't look at where he's aiming. It's many seconds until he pulls the trigger, but when he does, the bullet rips through clothing hanging on a line, past dwellings, and then right into the head of the guy running away with Jake, both falling to the ground. It's a neat moment that is not really at all like what he does in the books, but it it feels right. I hope my nervousness surrounding this footage is unfounded, and let me tell you what what there'll be no one happier than me if i leave the theater at the end of july with a big old grin on my face but based on the few minutes i saw today i'm less optimistic of that happening than i was before tomorrow brings another day (laughs) (laughs) so steven just hearing that how does it make you feel about the movie again you've said it it'll never live up to a book right your imagination is just powerful Mm mm-hmm so, you're are gonna we going to have to just chill out? Let's just try to enjoy the story. Enjoy it for what it is, not really the books. Mm-hmm. It's a different story. You're going to have to look at it like that. And that's what I, I'm having to put out of my, my, my thoughts. I've even heard some people say, actually, this isn't based on any of the books. This is actually a sequel to the books, like a continuing story. Because apparently, huge spoiler, something about a certain horn of something uh causes uh so uh that's been spoiled for me so they're saying okay this is a re a new interpretation on that story it's happening again but uh, here's what i say to that i don't want to see that i want to see an adaptation of the book of the first book the gunslinger 
so what they're they're kind of saying is that kind of what's the mantra in there is cause a wheel. Mm-hmm. It's going to play out over and over the same story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so if they do it, this, it's not going to happen the same way it happened in the books. It'll happen similarly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If are you buying that? Bullshit? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, I am. And then at the end of the movie, if all of a sudden we see it hurtling towards something similar to Drawing of the Three, I might be able to get excited about that, knowing that uh, new characters from the books might show up in a sequel if this does well. I may get excited. I just don't want it to be a disappointment. That's all I'm saying. I, I mean, it's totally... You don't want the first... I'm sure every Dark Towers fan is feeling this way right now. You don't want the first book to be... Or the first movie to be... Um, they will kill any hope of a movie going on if this doesn't work. Right. Nobody will care about a sequel if this is done wrong. Um, well... And, and, and you're going to have to really get past something. <laughs> and... And in 10 years' time, somebody else will try it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they do Spider-Man over and over again. So. Every five, six years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so, anyway, I just wanted to read that to you to see what you thought of that. Oh, by the way, the Dark Tower release date has been pushed back to August 4th. Sony has pushed back the release date once again. Entertainment Weekly reports the movie, which was originally stated... To come out uh, slated, I'm sorry, release date of July 28th will now open in theaters a week later on August 4th. Sony's upcoming The Emoji Movie was reportedly the reason behind the delay. As the animated film has switched release dates with The Dark Tower, the studio wants to give The Emoji Movie more summertime play before school kicks off in August, which isn't a point of concern with The Dark Tower, as if it is a... (laughs) It isn't reliant on young viewers. There has been barely any promotional material for The Dark Tower, but Stephen King did a reveal on a new poster for the film just a few weeks ago. The director, Nikolai Arcel, I think, is directing the movie, which stars you-know-who. The Dark Tower won't be a straight adaptation of King's beloved series of books. Instead, it'll serve more of a sequel than a retelling of the author's original works. Matthew McConaughey is Walter, by the way, he's credited as Walter because that's his name in the first yeah. book. So I'd we all know who see, he is, though. I'd rather see an adaptation of the first book. I as and, I was reading and, that movie and, and have it be re- true <laughs> and have it be true and still fail mm-hmm. than to have crap. Yeah, me too. Uh, way back, like if you go back and listen to that the the gunslinger. Audience. show that bill and i did uh-huh. we were imagining it being made into a movie of some kind and mm-hmm. we're really into the lore of like lost and all that stuff and and how uh it was obvious that the jj abrams and damon lindelof were very influenced by stephen king's books and stuff right I, I like i love that idea one thing going through the the gunslinger books the is that world that's moved on and the ancient technology. So that got, stuff is so cool. So you got through the three books, right? No, okay. Uh, I've read The Gunslinger. I read The dark, uh, the Drawing of the Three. I've read The Wastelands. Wastelands. I've read Wizard and Glass. 
I've read uh, through the keyhole. Went through the keyhole. So you need Wolves of the Cala, Susanna Song, and the Dark Tower. Yeah, three, three books. books left. Three books, and I've even read the Sisters of Alluria, that short story too, about Roland when he was yeah. younger. I've read that too. So I think those, I've read that one too. From now until August, Stephen. But will that just set me up for disappointment if I read the whole series? <laughs> I, I really want you to read it so you know <laughs> what you're talking my about. Angst. I know. Okay, let's move on to a new story. We do. We have angst. But, but I would still say, again, if they made a true movie of it, you could never see Roland completely. Yeah. Until the moment in that book. But that doesn't make any sense, Stephen. You couldn't do that. You would always you'd only see profile or from the back. I know, but or, you've got to understand as a movie adaptation I, that I, you couldn't do that. But I, I think totally it would just kind of ruin the point of Roland. The entire Yes. Point? Yes. They can't do it. <laughs> Whatever it is you're talking about, they can't do it. They're going to have to drop it entirely. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I have to put that out because... How does that make you feel that they have to drop it entirely? Thinking about it. I, I, is it kind of like, what's the point? To me, it was it, it, for the book, it was like, I can't... I don't want to say... Wait, okay, let me ask you this. When you read that in the book, were you like, what? Did you have to dwell on it for a while? I kind... A little bit. It's like, oh, okay. I see what's going on. <laughs> okay, let, so, let's go ahead and move sorry. on. Stephen. This, All right. I mean, even if we, we did a book reading about this, I mean, I guess we would talk about because everybody would know we're talking about the book and it would be... Spoiling it if anybody listens. I think to you've it. motivated some people to read the book just to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Not me though. I will eventually. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm serious. I will uh, continue the books. Yeah, and you don't find out till the Dark Tower what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you've got two books mm -hmm. before two and a half books probably before you figure it out. Okay. Probably not quite a half, but... All right, Stephen, there was a new Spider-Man trailer, which was very exciting. I can't wait to see that. But all of a sudden, this story has come out. Spider-Man may leave the Marvel Cinematic Universe after a Homecoming sequel. <laughs> this is so stupid. Uh, this from IGN, Stephen. Spider-Man Homecoming producer Amy Pascal has explained that Peter Parker... Peter Parker... Peter Pepper may not be hanging around in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for that long. It was something of a landmark deal when Sony and Marvel partnered to allow Spider-Man to appear in the MCU films. That deal seems to have an end date, however. Speaking at CinemaCon, theater owners, a theater owner's event in Las Vegas, the former Sony chief explained, One of the things that I think is so amazing about this experience is that you don't have studios deciding to work together to make a film very often. In fact, it may never happen again after we do the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. <gasps> so the movie hasn't come out yet, and then there's a sequel, and then it will end. Why aren't we talking about this then? Why are we talking about it now? But uh, while Pascal's comments don't rule out the possibility of an extension, hello, they do seem to confirm that Sony and Marvel's current deal ends after the second Spider-Man solo movie in 2019. We'll get back to that story then. That deal currently encompasses 
Homecoming, Avengers Infinity War, the untitled 2019 Avengers follow-up, and the Spidey Solo sequel. Sony's clearly got at least some plans for the MCU-free future, working on two unconnected films in the Spider-Verse, a Venom standalone film, and a Black Cat Silver Sable team-up. It will also release an animated film starring the ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, in 2018. Whether that deal... See how they just pile a bunch of shit in the final paragraph. Whether that deal is likely down to the success of Spider-Man's future appearances, although the real question is whether Sony will want to extend or end the partnership. Let's talk about it then! Let's talk about 2019! Why are you talking about it now? Why are you bumming me out two years early? (sighs) Alright, Steven. There was a new Justice League trailer. Did you get to see that? No, I did not. Alright, let's check it out real quick. Okay, let's do this. This is a Batman's dream. Uh, how do we get to the trailer? <laughs> oh, anyway, I'll set this up. We're going to watch the trailer in a second. Justice League trailer welcomes horde of enemies glimpsed in Batman v Superman. That's what that clip was. That was the Justice League trailer not only introduced viewers to DC and Warner Brothers United superhero team, but also ushered in a horde of enemies the group will have to tackle. If the group of demonic flying pests, otherwise known as parademons, look familiar to you, that's not too surprising. Yeah, what are we, idiots? We saw the freaking movie. What are you talking about? When Batman is in his nightmare mode, he can be seen taking on a group of soldiers in a desert-based army camp. Yeah, we know who they are. Move on. In the trailer for Justice League, the Parademons return. They can be seen in multiple times, but one of the most memorable moments occurs when Aquaman leaps into the air, trident in hand, and stabs it through one of the Parademons' bodies. It's totally badass. Unlike the scene in Batman v Superman, however, there are a few more Parademons this time around, with thousands littering the screen at one point. The question that remains is what this means for the Justice League, and the answer to that is relatively simple. The emergence of parademons as one of the peskier but deadly villains the Justice League has to take on reiterates just how important Darkseid and Steppenwolf, I love that band, will both be to the movie and the DCEU at large. If we think of parademons as orcs, then Darkseid is their Sauron. The parademons are essentially children of Apocalypse. The planet Darkseid rules over. They are loyal soldiers in Darkseid's army. While Darkseid will remain an overwhelming presence throughout the DCEU, stop saying that, just say the DC Universe, he also won't be the main villain in the Justice League. That duty's been handed off to the band Steppenwolf. Oh, that's interesting. Darkseid's uncle and elite Apocalypse General. Oh, okay. He'll be... The one in control of the Parademon army and the final boss, and if gets, you will. And he gets their motors running. Why are they? T- yeah, why are they telling us this? Can I learn it in the movie? Considering how much director Zack Snyder, DC, and Warner Brothers want to play up Darkseid in general, however, don't count Justice League as the last time the Parademons will appear in a movie. They may be the one constant. Oh, shut up. God. Stupid story. Okay, anyway, let's watch the trailer, Steven. Let's see what this... Uh... Let's do this. Okay, you ready, Steven? Okay, let's see. Stuff happening. A horse. Yeah. Do you see the horse, Steven? It's very cold. Okay. We have to be ready. Who's that? You, me, the others. There's an attack coming. Oh my God. From far away. 
Batman. Not coming, Bruce. They're here. It's already here. Oh, sorry. <gasps> Miles Dice. The others. Where are they? Arthur Curry. The Aquaman. It's on him. Organic and biomechatronic body Aquaman is cats. So bad. You should probably move. Barry Thanks. Allen. Whoever you're looking for, it's not me. You're the Batman? They said the age of heroes would never come again. It has to. Yoko had to sign off on this. The flash footage looks pretty badass. I gotta say. I'm rich. see you playing well with others again just like a bat i dig it maybe temporary okay they really gotta sell me on aquaman in this (laughs) i want to by the time this movie's over i want to go you know what aquaman okay i'll go see that movie because it's just i can't get excited about aquaman But uh, what'd you think of the trailer, Steven? Come on, you love Patrick Duffy back in the day. <laughs> Patrick Duffy? Oh, the man from man Atlantis. From Atlantis. <laughs> that weird... <laughs> <laughs> Mary had webbed fingers. Yeah. Yes. So, Steven, will you be in line with me when Justice League comes out? Well, of course out? we're going to be there. Yeah. Well, they have assigned seating now. We don't have to actually get in line anymore, right? We just got to buy tickets early. In advanced. All right, Steven. So that's a thumbs up from the trailer? Well, we're going to watch it regardless. <laughs> you what'd know you, that. What did you think of the use of come together? Eh. Did it make you wince a little? Kind of cheesy? or It's, you know, they're going to bastardize everything. Yeah. Okay, well, here's a new story. Hayden Christensen returns to Star Wars no. Celebration for the 40th anniversary panel. Wow, I didn't realize he played Anakin that long ago. <laughs> Uh, just kidding, of course. I was glad to meet you, too. Okay, Anakin himself, Hayden Christensen, will be attending Star Wars Celebration. Okay, you already said that. Lucasfilm has announced that Christensen will be one of the many famous panelists for the 40 years of Star Wars anniversary panel, which will focus on the impact and history of the franchise. Christensen, who played Anakin in... We know what movies he played him in. Don't tell me. Warwick Davis will be hosting the 40th anniversary pile pi- panel with Kathleen Kennedy. I think Dave- had a right pile. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Filoni, who's the producer of Star Wars Rebels. Mark Hamill. Who's Mark Hamill? Ian McDiarmid. Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and Billy D. Williams all attending. Cool. 
Star Wars Celebration will run from April 13th to April 16th and takes place at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida. Electronics Arts has recently revealed it will also debuting the first trailer for Star Wars Battlefront 2 at the event. While you eagerly await for Star Wars Celebration to kick off, check out this beautiful poster that brings together all three trilogies. No, I no thank you. I have no wish to see that. Right, so Steven, I know you're excited to see Hayden Christensen in that, aren't you? I saw him when he was waiting tables the other night. <laughs> I don't understand. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's pretty mean, Steven. Did they just say he he had left Hollywood for a while or whatever? Yeah, he like lives on a farm. He's married yeah. to Rachel Bilson, first of all. Star in Star Wars, retire, married to Rachel Bilson, boom. He's got the life, right? That's yeah. all he's got to do. Uh, I I spell that out as a life worth living. You know, he's did it. He's living the it's dream. On a ranch somewhere. Yeah. Okay, back to Justice League. Justice League is probably not as long as the rumored three-hour runtime. <laughs> Uh, this coming from The Wrap. On Wednesday night, the tweet started flying out of CinemaCom claiming that Justice League's announced runtime was a luxurious two hours and 50 minutes long. Articles were posted. Fans were in turns excited and outraged. IMDb was updated. The thing is, none of these reports were confirmed and the movie's not coming out until November. It's not even close to done. A little while later, after the takes had made the rounds, The Wrap published its own report claiming that an unnamed insider with intimate knowledge of the film says that there is no runtime because they haven't finished cutting the damn film. IMDb's page still has the 170-minute runtime listed, but they're probably just waiting for some official confirmation either way. Who knows? What's funny about this is how believable a runtime that long is at this point in the DC Snyderverse. <laughs> <laughs> the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman was two hours and 31 minutes, and the extended R-rated Ultimate Edition weighed in at two minutes over three hours. R- the rumored Justice League runtime would fit neatly in the middle. Most of the tweets posted last night don't feature any sort of disbelief, just a resigned, dull sense of fatigue. It's entirely possible for this rumor to be true, or close to true, give or take a few minutes, but two hours and 50 minutes is nowhere near officially confirmed. Who knows? A bloated runtime might be exactly what the Justice League needs. I didn't subject myself to BVS, the Ultimate Edition, but I did hear from some critics that it at least served to flesh out the narrative a little bit, so that some transitions in plotline to plotline didn't seem so rushed. And the Justice League deals with six main protagonists, counting if you include Superman, and it has yet to introduce us any... a new... wait... And has to introduce us anew to three of the characters. Maybe it's worth the extra minutes. Okay, Stephen, real story or total non-story that I just read? Non-story. You're right. All right, let's get away from superheroes for a bit. What do you say, Stephen? Sure. Rain Wilson hops aboard Star Trek Discovery as Harry Mudd. Remember Harry Mudd? From the original Star Trek, he's the guy who brought Tribbles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That guy, he would show up from time to time. He's like a con man. I'm waiting for, I was waiting for Harry Mudd to uh, show up. And so apparently on this new series, uh, first of all, you'll have to subscribe to the CBS app, like paying money to see this new Star Trek. Does that bum you out that it won't be on regular TV? Uh, yeah, I won't be subscribing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, Rain Wilson, maybe they'll release it on, like, Blu-ray afterwards, after, like, a few months or something. Rain Wilson board Star Trek Discovery as Harry Mudd. Okay, you already told us that in the headline. The office veteran Rain Wilson has joined the cast of Star Trek Discovery as the iconic series character Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Okay, They've just told us this three times, Steven. Mm-hmm. The story hasn't even started. Originally played by Roger C. Carmel, Mud is one of the most beloved characters in the Star Trek universe. The playful con man was the only non-crew member featured in more than one episode of the original series, appearing in season one episodes Mud's Women, originally aired on October 13, 1966, then in season two's I, Mud, November 3rd, 1967, Carmel reprised the role in 1973, voicing the character on Star Trek the Animated Series episode Mud's Passion. I guess I was wrong about the Tribble thing, wasn't I? Although Mud was conceived by Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, all three Mud episodes, and wasn't he in the Tribble episode? I don't remember. It's been... We gotta ask Mike Chinstroker. He knows all about that stuff. Uh... All three Mud episodes, including the cartoon version, were scripted by Stephen Candell, a veteran TV writer whose genre credits include 1960s Batman, 1970s Wonder Woman, Mission Impossible, The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, and MacGyver. Holy shit! That guy wrote some cool stuff. He's got chops. Set about a decade before the events of the original series, Star Trek Discovery stars Sonequa Martin-Green, Terry Serpico, Malik Pinchali, Sam Bartholomeos, James Frain, great casting, Doug Jones, good, Michelle Yeoh, perfect, Anthony Rapp, Chris Obi, Juan Kenobi, Shazad Latif, Mary Chifo, Jason Isaacs, which is exciting, and Mary Wiseman. Produced by CBS Television, the 13-episode first season, season will debut on CBS before moving to the network CBS All Acts. So they're going to show the pilot episode. Wait. The 13-episode first season will debut on CBS before moving to the network CBS All Access streaming service. Okay, so they're going to show the first season on CBS? Is that what he's saying? That's what it sounds like. Okay, well, sign me up. I'll watch it. All right, let's scroll down and see if this video automatically plays if I do this. No? Okay. All right, now let's get into some video game talk, okay? Destiny 2 launching September 8th. Watch the reveal trailer. Now, Destiny was a a console game that you lived in a universe where it's multiple online players. It's a first-person shooter. I was addicted to it for a long time. The story was very lacking, but I kept playing. It was like uh, I had to just cut ties with it. Stop playing this, Jason. You're not getting anything out of it. You're playing the same levels over and over again, hoping for new gear. So all I want from this new Destiny 2, which, by the way, I'm, already, I'm not going to play this. I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to play like it. <laughs> I want to see if they have a story, decent story. Let's check out the trailer. Times may be dark, but we are Earth's greatest hope. Okay, it sounds like Lance Reddick is, re, re, is in the... He does the voice in the first game. Quantum... Uh, break. He's in Quantum Break quite a bit. Lance Reddick from Fringe. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He's also in Horizon Zero Dawn quite a bit. And now Destiny 2. I just think it's funny. Lance Reddick's like in every video game I play. That's pretty awesome. Okay, back to the trailer. Look around. 
a gathering of noble guardians new and old. Okay, listen up. Um, you're a bunch of dirty misfits, but you're all that's left, so you'll have to do. Our home was attacked. I was they and fought against the endless onslaught. They kept coming, so I kept firing. Not gonna lie, I was magnificent. Despite the sacrifice of many brave guardians, we lost everything. The tower, the city, our home. So, everything is gone. Your stuff, my stuff, most importantly, Can you tell me my stuff. The Today we know our enemy. His name is Gary! Or Gil. Glenn? Is it? I don't know. It's something with a G! Go! I know you look to me in times of peril, but this is not my battle alone. Which means if I don't see you out there, I'll kill you myself. It is time to avenge this injustice, for that is the duty of all guardians. Worst case scenario, you die. But who knows? Maybe you won't. So I ask you, who will stand with me? Yeah! Oh, really, guys? That, that was inspiring. Also, there will be a ton of loot! Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah right? That's what I thought. He plays Cade. He's one of the guys you get missions from in the game. He's one of the guardians, but uh, it had some personality. That was funny, right? Yeah. It tells me nothing about what the game's actually going to be. It's going to be more of the same, right? Destiny 2, the full sequel to Destiny, will be released September 8th on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and on Windows PC. Okay, sign up. You're signing up, Stephen, right? I'm on. Okay, finally, final story. This has to do with the Nintendo Switch. I thought this was pretty cool. This Nintendo Switch dock mod is the ultimate nostalgia piece. This guy has figured out how to dock his Nintendo Switch in an old Nintendo 64. <laughs> I think Adam Howard would get a kick out of this. When he's done quaffing his beard, he could check this out. The Nintendo Switch comes with a dock, but that won't stop owners from coming up with their own. Our favorite custom Switch dock mod comes from Zone, as he's known on YouTube, okay? Who gave a classic Nintendo system a new life with this project. Zone modified a broken M64 and transformed it into a functioning Switch dock. Seriously, it works. The video above shows it in action, hooked up to Zone's monitor. It's seriously impressive, and it appears to have ta- been taken just shy of a week of a week's worth of work. The modder's been keeping fellow Switch fans updated on the adventure in the console customization on Reddit, sharing the steps he took to making the entire Nintendo 64 workable as a dock. If you still have a Nintendo 64 lying around, this could be a way to make it useful again in 2017. It could also be a good workaround for owners of bent or busted Switch docks. Of course, be sure to use one that isn't still functional like Tetsin Tetsin did. That just rolls off the tongue. It will help fans of the beloved 20-year-old console rest easier. Just to let people know, the 64 I used was completely, completely broken. No way to fix it. All its rests were put to good use. All its rests were put to good use. Okay, uh, that's not a good sentence. Well, that's pretty cool. Isn't that neat when people do stuff like yeah. that? 
All right, Stephen, that is the end of um, my news stories. The news? I could probably do more, but uh, I think it's time we moved on to other things. You say either, I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either, either, and either, neither. And let's call the whole thing off. You sing like this, Yes, you like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, I like tomato, potato. Boom. Okay, that means we're going to do... Rotten Tomatoes? Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Oh, I'm sorry, Stephen. Rotten Tomatoes. I like spelled tomato juice. That's right, it does. Tomato juice. (laughs) Tomato juice. Ghost in the Shell came out today, Stephen. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it is a 42% rotten. 146 reviews counted, 61 fresh, 85 rotten. Oh, dear. First of all, let's read the plot. In the near future, Major, played by Scarlett Johansson, is the first of her kind. A human saved from a terrible crash who is cyber-enhanced to be the perfect soldier devoted to stopping the world's most dangerous criminals. Kind of sounds like RoboCop. When terrorism reaches a new level that includes the ability to hack into people's minds and control them, Major is uniquely qualified to stop it. As she prepares to face a new enemy, Major discovers that she has been lied to. Her life was not saved. It was stolen. She she will stop at nothing to recover her past. Find out who did this to her and stop them before they do it to others. Based on the internationally acclaimed Japanese movie manga, The Ghost in the Shell. All right. I don't think I read that right. Katie Walsh of the Tribune News Service says, It gets bogged down in aesthetics that are stimulating only for the sake of stimulation, seemingly without a flicker of thought behind them. Shell indeed, but there's no ghost at home. <laughs> I like stimulation. <laughs> David Sims of The Atlantic says, A flimsy copy of a copy, one that recreates some of the enemy's set pieces nearly shot for shot, but then pairs away nearly everything else that made the original a classic. Okay, he didn't rate it, but it's rotten. <laughs> It's a rotten tomato, Stephen? Rotten tomato. Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor, my favorite paper. It's unfortunate, if predictable, that Hollywood found it necessary to almost entirely eliminate deep think in favor of deep action. I give it a C. <laughs> Praise my Lord and Savior, Harambe. Oh my God, I can't believe he said that. That's weird. James Barrero Danell Adeli says, Ghost in the Shell is visually compelling, but tone deaf. 2.5 out of 4. Who was that? James Barrero Danell Adeli. Okay. <laughs> Will Leach of the New Republic says, It only works up much feeling when it is trying to defend itself against protests that might affect its bottom line. You won't be much moved by that either. I don't understand any of what you just read, and he gives it a C. Matthew Lickona says, A hot mess, a philosophical cyber thriller. Some cool visuals, though. One out of five. Yikes! 
Let's read a good review, okay? Let's see if there's somebody, somebody thinks it's good. Paul Eckstein of the Independent Online South Africa says, It melds the balletic grace of bullet time action sequences to the cold steel and funk of a cyberpunk movie thriller in which the nature of man throws a spanner into the inexhaustible cogs of progress. I didn't understand any of that. Beth Accomodano. <laughs> Beth A. Commando. Her last name is A. Commando. Mm-hmm. Beth A. Commando of KPBS.org says, The problem with this remake lies in fundamental differences between what this and the Japanese anime does and what big budget Hollywood pictures need to do. Okay. Sandy Schaefer of Screen Rant says, Ghost in the Shell struggles to dig below the surface of its thought-provoking concepts and bring real depth to its striking visuals. I give it a 2.5 out of 5. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Oh, okay. Go directly to jail. (laughs) Rich Klein of contactmusic.com says, Director Rupert Sanders pulls out all the stops, expertly deploying an eclectic cast of continual stream of eye-popping visual effects. This helps make up for the surprisingly thin approach to the story's deeper themes. I get him a 3.5 out of 5. Oh, he liked it. He um, liked the story, but he liked the visuals, so that made it up, made up for the lack of story. Is that what I'm understanding? I think so, yeah. Okay. Scott Wampler says, a bird movie's that death. Name, Wampler. Scott Wampler. A mediocre movie that's as beautiful as it is problematic. But it's as beautiful as it is hashtag problematic. Did he mean to do that? I think he just misspelled. I think he we doesn't to, seem bright. We need to deduct some points. Got a little gnat or something in here. Get away from the monitor, all right? Wampler. Okay, let's read a good review. Keith Ulick of Reverse Shot says, An incoherent text can offer profound pleasures, and getting lost in the on-screen density of the world of Ghost in the Shell is prime enjoyment. <laughs> it's my density. Stephen D. Gray Danis says, Scarlett Johansson is becoming, no, at this point, it's safe to say she is the default Hollywood poster girl for transhumanism. D plus. What? What? Transhumanism, the belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. Oh, I guess she was in that other film where she had powers. What was that called? Lucy. Oh, Lucy! Ah, ah, ah! Oh, sorry. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Ray Pride says, Bland Runner. (laughs) Crime and passion play out in dank, close back streets. Redolent of rust, verdant and ver, uh, verdigris, with chains clanking and hoists at the ready around most corners, still black water underfoot, kindly stray dogs on the loose. Should this guy lose his job? He just needs to have his fingers broken so he can't type anymore. Yeah, he needs, he needs to die. Okay, Kong Rifty of the Bangkok Post says, There's no other way for director Rupert Sanders but to take the material very seriously and transform the geeky essence of the narrative into popular entertainment for a global audience. At that level, Ghost in the Shell doesn't disappoint. Hey, he said it best. He's making it shallow for people. Yeah, he's 
like taking the. We want it to be deep stuff, but we can't really do that. We gotta have box office. We gotta make it a cool matrixy, actiony type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, another movie that came out this Friday, Stephen. The Boss Baby, huh? Have oh, you seen the trailer of that? We did see that before the... It's a little baby, but Alec Baldwin is his voice, and he like has adult intelligence. Did this happen before in Look Who's Talking? <laughs> I guess so. A baby with an adult voice. Yeah, yeah. I'm teasing a little. 48% rotten. Let's see what they say about this movie. <clears throat> Matthew Lacona. Hey, he was in the last one. I could have done without the Cupid doll faces and oversized eyes, but for the most part, and where it counts, the boss baby gets kids just right. <laughs> John Semley of Globe and Mail says, It's the rare cartoon that actually feels like a cartoon, propelled by its goofiness and sheer energy and rarely bogged down by boring, polemical lesson learning. I give it a three out of four. Well, aren't you proud of yourself? Let's see what Kyle Smith of the New York Post says. The plot is so senseless, it could have been written up by a bleary, sleep-deprived parents, and it all's just pretext for a pitiful one-joke movie. Okay, he's raining our parade, isn't he? Chris Agar, uh, Garth's brother, I guess. Mm -hmm. The Boss Baby is generic animated fare, but but it's bolstered by a unique visual flair. They suck. Okay, uh, Robin Clifford, the result is a family comedy that will amuse all ages. Okay. One more here. This isn't offering me any gold. Uh, Dan Liebarger of Arkansas Democrat Gazette says, The Boss Baby is at its most enjoyable when viewers, like Tim himself, have to figure out what is real and what is make-believe. If Alec Baldwin delivers a PowerPoint presentation of dull material, it's still dull. Wow. This is depressing me, Stephen. We got to do some boss baby. Don't go see boss baby. Okay. Smurfs. The lost village comes out April 7th. You and I will be in theaters on opening day. I have my tickets. I've had them for a year. (laughs) Let's find out what the advanced word on this is. Mary Ann Johansson says an adventure crammed with junky slapstick and garish animation that seems to believe it is feminist, but only doubles down on smurfily regressive notions of gender. It's just a Smurf movie, man. Do we have to get this deep? Whoa. Peter Bradshaw says, Fans of Smurfiness may well like it, and Gargamel gets some nice one-liners, but I have to say that both the script and animation seemed entirely predictable. As if generated by some computers. Wait, how is animation predictable? The Smurfs look like how they look, right? Yeah. What does that mean? It's predictable. They should have looked blue. And they did. Hey guys, don't be mad over another Smurfs movie. The film brings back wonderful joy of that adaptation that calls this film's attention, and it's even better. The why do you think this was a great idea at all live action animated Smurf movies? If this is so, don't. Okay, whatever. I I can't read anymore, Stephen. I I feel bad about. uh, Okay, new on Netflix is a series, a movie series. No. A TV series series on Netflix has premiered today. It's called 13 Reasons Why. Let me read the plot. Based on the best-selling book by Jay Asher, 
13 Reasons Why follows teenager Clay Jensen and his quest to uncover the story behind his classmate and crush Hannah's decision to end her own life. So apparently, uh, this chick kills herself and he has a box of 13 cassettes. Each cassette contains a different reason why she ended her life. Okay. And I believe the cassettes have people's names, and his is one of the names. So he's one of the people who caused her to end her life. Isn't that? Does this sound like a comedy to you? No. Okay. Is it supposed to be? No. Okay. <laughs> but th- it is ninety-five percent fresh. Critics' consensus: Thirteen Reasons Why complements its best-selling source material with a gripping, gripping, with a gripping look at adolescent grief whose narrative maturity belies, belies, belies its YA milieu. 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 Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it sounded like he was correcting me. Let's just read a couple of these reviews. Sure, sure. Liz Shannon Miller of IndieWire says, In its examination of the ways we hurt each other, deliberately or casually, Knowingly or otherwise, the adult edges to this story ring with honesty and truth because sometimes the only way to feel something is for it to hurt. Oh my god, that's so true. It's to feel nothing. Wenlei Ma says, Perhaps it's the strength of the source material, but the teen characters are fully fleshed out people. They're not the archetypes you often box youngsters into these. These guys are the Breakfast Club peeps at the end of the movie. Okay. I didn't read that correctly. Brad Newsom says that uh, it's strong stuff that works hard to shatter pernicious assumptions. Matthew Gilbert says the drama is sensitive, surprising, consistently engaging, and most important, Stephen. It wasn't funny. Unblinking. It's unblinking. Rad he and Simon Pillai says that uh, 13 Reasons Why is at its best when you can drown out the creaky contraption spinning in its master narrative and soak up the intimate, vibrantly painful moments between kids who feel authentic. That's easier said than read. Molly Freeman of Screen Rant says, all in all, 13 Reasons Why is an excellent blend of teen drama and mystery that may, in later episodes, be dragged down by its grim tone. Okay. These are all really good reviews. Matt Roosh Roosh says, There are many reasons why hearing Hannah's unhappy story is worth your time, but you'll have to discover them for yourself. I'm not going to tell you anything. Alex McLevy says there's more than enough reasons to give this ambitious series a try, but maybe one too few to recommend without reservations. I give it a B minus. I will not be held responsible if you are upset by this. I'm holding him personally responsible. I would. It's his fault. He recommended this. Paul Daly of TV Fanatic says if you are looking for a thought provoking series that makes you think about the world we live in today then 13 Reasons Why should be on your watch list. It's nice to see an adaptation that complements the source material. I give it a 5 out of 5. That is Perfect a... for him. Okay, now for the lone bad review. I gotta read this, right? Of course. Hank Stuver of the Washington Post says, 
Whatever 13 Reasons Why gets right about teen tendencies towards melodrama fades as the series fumbles around with tone and emotional accuracy. The characters very rarely come across as real, perhaps because the story itself is so contrived. <laughs> so, uh, Hank Stuver didn't like it. But he gave it no rating. Yeah, he's a dick. Bastard. What do you have to say about that guy, Stephen? He's a bastard. I need a rating. <laughs> Aren't they... Was it on... Uh, I'm being honest, asshole. You know, Netflix, where well, they're doing away with a rating. It's just a thumbs up or Thumbs down. up, thumbs down. That's right. Oh my god, all the dogs in the neighborhood are barking. Must be a Terminator out there. Wolfie's really barking out there, you guys. Wolfie. Wolfie? Uh... No! Oh dear. My dog's name isn't Wolfie. Knives and stabbing weapons. So, Steven, that is Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes! What'd you think of that, huh? I think you got it wrong again. Tomatoes. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Chips, by the way, 19% rotten. 15 fresh, 64 rotten. Um. Let me just read this. Stephanie Zacharek of Time Magazine says, The harsh reality is that it's not funny at all. <laughs> Bill Zwecker of Chicago Sun-Times says, While I clearly cannot recommend this film, I have to admit there were a couple of amusing moments. Oh, good. Craig D. Lindsay says, I'm actually kind of shocked there aren't more homophobic gags here. <laughs> Simon Abrams says, A buddy film about overcompensating characters that seems to have also been made by overcompensating comedians. <laughs> <laughs> John Semley says, it's not uniquely bad, or nor so bad it's good. It's factually, quantifiably bad, overcooked, underdressed, sloppy, indigestible, just your classic crap hamburger of a movie. 0. 0.5 out of 4. Wow. Wow. Oh. He hated it. Maybe he needs to quit watching movies. Here's the best one. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, It already feels like a rerun. D. Wow. Clever. Mark Jackson. Hey! Straight out of the gate, I predict Chips will become the perennial mega hit with frat house and sorority. <laughs> what? <laughs> Rick Bentley of the Fresno Bee says, If only one of his efforts would have shown any signs of talent, Shepard has revealed in his past work, Chips would have risen from abysmal to merely awful. <laughs> what a dick. Violet Levoit says, Dak Shepard needs to take on better characters than the ones he's written for himself. Wow. They're really bagging on the film. Maybe I'm wrong. It wasn't enjoyable at all. Huh? Think about it now. You didn't enjoy it? Well, let's see what Jorge Rivera Rubio says. Is Chips a great flick? Nope. Did it make me laugh the whole time from beginning to end? Oh, yeah! <laughs> Hell, yeah! I like the way Eric D. Snyder says, uneven, veering from scathing humor to patience trying nonsense and back again, but it winds up just barely on this side of the thin blue line between good and bad. I give it a B minus. Hey, he liked it. Sounded like a C review. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a B minus to me. Come on. 
Here, let's read another good review. Stephen Schaefer of the Boston Herald. Hey, Stephen, his same as your name. He does. He That's your it. name. Spells it correctly. In a low-life kind of silly way, the real laughs come from oversized per- personality clashes, hysterically pitched fights, and a general awakening between our two misfits that they like each other. I give it a B. Yay! Oh, he loved it. Jay Olson of Cinema Mixtape says, destined to find life on a DVD as a coaster. <laughs> One out of five. Oh, wow. He's so snarky, that Jay Olson. Oh, you, Jay Olson. He's, he's doing it again, Steven. He's so bad. S. Joanna Robledo says, some laughs, but more iffy stuff. And TV-based action comedy, two out of five. Wow, try harder. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, come on. All right, everybody, that was Let's Rewrite Tomatoes, and that was our show. I hope you enjoyed Entertainment Landfill News. I certainly enjoyed it. Talking with my buddy Steven. Woo-hoo. We have huge trepidations about uh, Dark Tower. We're really worried. Steven, he's going to be a mess when this movie comes out. I can't you wait to... You don't even understand why. We're going to do a trailer react show to the trailer when it comes out. We're going to do an instant react to the movie. You'll have tissues ready for me to cry into? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, positive tears or negative tears? We'll see. You must have got it right. Oh my god. <laughs> Steven, Steven is so happy here. Poor little guy. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, guys. If you would, go to etlandfill.com. There you can find links to all of our old shows. That's right. Uh, if you scroll down a little, go past merchandise, links, below ET Fan Club, which if you click on, will take you to Facebook. You can join our Facebook Fan Club where we post funny stuff all the time. It's so much fun, Steven. But below that is the show archive. Uh, at times I've had the show archive. It's disappeared. Things like that. But I'm slowly rebuilding the archive. Right now, if you want to go and listen to Nowhere in Mulberry episode 1 through 130, you can. Okay. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? That's a lot of listening. That's a lot of listening. So that's like right in the wheelhouse will be, I think, episode 90 through like 120, maybe something around there. one fifty. where we hit our stride. That's when we quit Talk Radio X. That was oh. beginning of Talk Radio X, end of Talk Radio X is right in there. So you could get that whole saga if you wanted to. It's pretty entertaining. I'm going to say... Grumpy towards the end of it. I'd say we got better... Uh, I I think it was... We had a lot of energy. And when that first show, after we quit Talk Radio X, we were like on fire. I'm not kidding. Oh, so you're saying that this is from after. Yeah. Episode 90 is like the beginning of Talk Radio X live. And then... Or something like that. We go through episode 100. Huge keep going we quit or somewhere afterwards and we start our own feed the show all of a sudden we're not two hours anymore we're up to like three hour shows and they're just popping sizzling with energy man uh really good stuff so if you guys want to check that out check out our show archive also guys if you'd like to follow me on twitter or steven on twitter 
Click the links there. I'm the Jstrom on Twitter if you want. Steven, you're PCZ Steven, right? Mm-hmm. Also, guys, if you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill where you can become a patron of the show. And there's uh, all sorts of like shows on there that you can't get anywhere else. Like if I click on it, there are pay- 10 patron-only shows of different types there. Some of them are uh, dead ahead. But some are just exclusive shows that only patrons can listen to. And I'm planning on doing some more of those. Uh, But also, being a patron supports the show and helps keep it going. So I appreciate that too, guys. It's food in my belly. (laughs) So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Adam Sexton sent us a voicemail. And don't worry, Adam, I'm not going to forget to play it. (laughs) Uh, What dickhead uses a DVD as a coaster? the last thing <laughs> I know, right, Adam? Oh, man. So let's check out Adam Sexton's voicemail. Let's check this shizzy out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton sending you some voicemail. And I uh, wanted to start off with uh, some reactions to some recent films I've seen, a couple of which you have talked about in previous episodes. Uh, last weekend... Went to the theater and saw both Logan and Kong Skull Island, and I enjoyed both of them. Um, Logan was like this great high water mark for the uh, X-Men franchise. I'd say I'd put Days of Future Past just a little bit past it, but only, only a little bit. Logan was like this great send-off for the Wolverine character. It seems like the the director of the previous Wolverine film kind of learned from any lessons uh, from the you know the the really shoddy third act of it and uh, just made a movie that was less concerned about you know plot and more just concerned about characters because that's where the strengths come through. I could sit through. Uh, an entire film of just Logan and Xavier just bitching at each other while on the road. Uh, I could definitely do that. I uh, loved uh, Daphne Keene as Laura, uh, a.k.a. X-23, and, man, it was so intense and so well-paced. There was plenty of quiet character moments to balance out the action beats, and uh, it's a longer film than usual for a movie of this type, but it... It never felt boring and never felt like it ran out of steam. And during that last uh, action beat, you know, the final showdown at the Canadian border, my bloodlust hit like this all-time high because I just wanted these bastards to stop trying to capture and harm and exploit these kids. And that moment when Laura is just digging into the chest of weapon 24 i was just kind of, I, I almost wanted to applaud at that point but um man uh great great movie uh, i i definitely want to see it again hopefully they won't pull it by the time i may have an opportunity to do that uh definitely agree with your reactions uh another film that i agreed with your reactions on was of course kong skull island this was the movie i saw after logan cool and uh, it was like a great uh, modern monster movie. Um, I, I, I'm not as big of a fan of the Godzilla and King Kong um, monster films, but I mean, the, this revamping of all these characters, all these creatures, I'm definitely on board if the quality is going to be this high. 
and uh, I love the the period setting. They they definitely evoked films like Apocalypse Now and certain Vietnam War films, and uh, love the soundtrack. I was I was kind of charmed by the fact that they always had a portable record player with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how many records they took with them because they played like like seven or eight or nine different artists during the movie's running time. So either there was a compilation available back then, or they just brought that many records with them. Either way, oh, good on them. Uh, love the creature designs. The Kong looked great. And uh, I loved uh, how, he, how he was animated and how he performed during the, during the fight scenes. The skull crawlers were really freaking creepy. And we're responsible for a lot of the great, a lot of the few great jump scares, uh, in the movie. And, uh, but yeah, I just, I just dug it all big time and, uh, agree with your reactions. And so, yeah, uh, highly recommended on that one too. The third film is a movie that, uh, I watched on Amazon Prime. This was a rental and it's an Indonesian action film called Headshot. And, uh, it stars uh, Iku Weiss, who was the main star of the two Raid films that Gareth Evans directed, and uh, it had it came out on international markets and festivals last year, but it had a limited North American release at the beginning of this month, and around that limited release time, it also got released to several uh, VOD platforms such as Amazon Prime, and uh, it's a the premise isn't really all that uh, special. It's you got another guy who wakes up, has amnesia because apparently he got shot in the head and he doesn't know how he got there. And there's a young, pretty nurse who's nursing him back to health. But when, you know, apparently when his past comes back to resurface, when bad people realize he's alive, then this past starts to come back together. And now he has to fight off these really, really vile violent criminals and keep this uh, woman who's been nursing them back to health to safe, uh, keeping her safe anyway. And the action scenes are really well done. There is a mixture of both gunplay and uh, hand-to-hand combat. Really, really gory. The director, uh, I I can't pronounce his name, but he usually focuses more on horror films, so there's plenty more blood and gore than usual. (laughs) Uh, I don't know when this is going to be available for uh, say Netflix or even a lower price. I think the rental price right now on Amazon is six ninety nine, which is a little higher than usual. But that's because it's been released same day as a theatrical release. So uh, if you like those Indonesian action films like the Raids, like I do, I'd highly recommend Headshot. Headshot. Uh, let's see. As far as video game wise, I've progressed even further into. Uh, Horizon verse uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I have cool. pretty much reached the point where Aloy goes through the whole proving thing, only to have it just completely go completely to hell. And uh, the plot progresses in ways I won't spoil. But she is given the permission to go outside this community that she's been spending there all her life, and the whole world seems to open up. So. I'm looking forward to uh, all these creatures and all these new opportunities to explore and hunt and gather up items. Uh, it's a great game. I, I must have played it for who knows how many hours last weekend. It really is. 
uh, and I'm still doing daily stuff in the division. I still enjoy that game. Someday I'll get back into Stardew Valley. I'm just worried that I'll go on another <laughs> binge that completely ruins any productivity I have. Um, Jason, you asked me to give my thoughts on Destiny 2. Um, I wasn't. I was jazzed for the des- for the first Destiny when it came out, and I stuck with it for about um, six. Six to eight months, enough enough time for like the first expansion to drop, and it was clear that you had a game that was missing chunks of story that they cut out for some weird reason. The there were certain aspects of the game that we were looking forward to that didn't come through in the finished product, and while all the numerous expansions that came out since then have made it a more well-rounded game. I'm hoping that they've learned their lesson with this second game. And if they provide enough content, enough variety of things to do, if they develop uh, the worlds and the levels that you uh, interact with, with a great deal more variety and in a lot in bigger spaces, if they do all the, if they avoid all the mistakes they made with the first game, I will definitely give it a shot. But it's going to be a while between now and I think it's September when it comes out sometime there. And we'll just see how it turns out. But I've got plenty of games to worry about yeah. till then. So uh, I, I'm interested, but uh, I'm not. I, I feel kind of lukewarm until I get some more information. Yeah, it's definitely something you wait for. Uh, I th- uh, I th- uh, oh, one more thing, um, Jason. I don't know if you have mentioned this, but. To any of your listeners of uh, the Chuck series companion, and I've talked to you, with you about this, uh, there is an, uh, a channel on the Amazon Prime uh, video service called Full Screen, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's following a certain kind of style. It, it may just be like another kind of streaming service like Hulu, where there's not a particular brand of uh, shows or movies that it's showing, but. Um, for fans of Chuck who uh, miss not having access to it on Netflix, all five seasons are streaming on full screen. Uh, when you sign up, you get like a 30-day trial, and I think after that it's like five ninety nine a month. So uh, for bad. any fans of uh, Chuck who felt like it was cut off before they can continue... There is uh, there is your opportunity to catch up. As far as I know, full screen is the only streaming service that offers Chuck right now. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I will be in the chat room listening in. And guys, I hope you uh, you know break a leg on this uh, new episode. And it's great to spend another Friday evening with you. So with all of that, check you later. Bye. Thank you so much. Adam, that was awesome. And thanks for that Chuck tip. That's pretty cool. I am Spartacus. Exactly. Uh, I definitely will be getting back into the Chuck series companion. And Stephen, that reminds me of something. Um, what? A while back, maybe a year ago, I loaned you a certain box set of... Uh, are you sure you're talking about me? Chuck Season 3 <laughs> on Blu-ray. Uh, I hope you still have it. Are you sure me? I've got- I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure, Steven. 
uh, around, dust off the cabinets. <laughs> it's a coaster, isn't it? That's who uses coasters as uh, discs as coasters. Uh, so just remind it's, you of that. It's, it's lovingly sitting on my TV. Oh, okay. Do uh, you? My, uh, probably by now you're not going to ever watch it, right? <laughs> I would watch it, but I know you need it to do your Chuck series companion. I don't necessarily need it if you're going to watch it. I'll, I'll... So without further ado, I present to you Jester! <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, Adam Sexton, for that voicemail. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, certainly cool stuff going on. And you know what? That's the way the world works. Next week, we're going to have more ridiculous news. Movie rumors. I mean, rumors no, I, that are 15 years out, I hope. There's no way we could have predicted that Joss Whedon would be doing a Batgirl movie last week. We could have. And there's no way we could know that next week that whole new story will fall apart. But until then, let's be excited What's about it. What's the fake movie news we can put out? <laughs> I don't know. So, guys, thank you so much for listening, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, what are you waiting for? Get out there, play some Horizon Zero Dawn or Stardew Valley. Go see Chips or Logan or uh, oh, Skull Island. Skull Island. Go see the Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Come on and oh, uh, watch some TV. Watch that <clears throat> Thirteen Reasons I Killed Myself and It's yeah. Your Fault show. Sounds like a real winner. Sounds like a great comedy, huh? Pick me up, you know. After the end of the show, do Maybe you think you'll feel better about yourself after you watch it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do that too and then kill myself. I'm thinking of 13 people I'm going to send this to. It's their fault. Well, guys, do all that stuff and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later, Steven. Later, Jaystrom. Well, that's it, everyone. The show is over. I certainly hope that it changed your life in a positive way. Now, what are you waiting for? Get out there and grow the biggest damn beard the world has ever seen. Now, this is podcasting. Casting.